Thank you guys so much. Time and time again. Good morning. My name is Melody, and I'm one of the pastors here at New Song. Welcome this morning. Some good morning. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Hey. That's good. Okay. That's very cute. Thank you. Hey, it's still going, so we can, we can celebrate all week long. Um, thank you so much. This is very sweet. Um, I was wondering how long that song was going to go. <laughs> uh, very, very sweet. Thank you so much. Um, you know, it's so interesting. Um, I've, I'm all about my birthday, like I said it last week. I'm not humble about it at all. Let's celebrate. Let's just give me all the, give me all the wishes, give me all the hugs, all the things. Um, but you know, as much as, as much as I love, and not just me, like I'm all about your birthday. So if you ever need a cheerleader, you call me. Um, but you know, as much as fun as my birthday was yesterday, all week, uh, as, as much excitement as I had and everything, you know, there was this tiny part of me, well, not a tiny part, a big part of me too, that, that struggled yesterday, struggled because the woman who birthed me, is not here to celebrate with me. My dad, who has been with me all the years of my birthday, is far from me. And so, you know, it was, I think it just so resembles the world we live in. Would you say amen to that? That there's so much joy and um, happiness and excitement on the same token, on the same day, probably just as much, our hearts can grieve. Would you say amen to that? And so, uh, you know, I know there's a few things going on in this room that um, we're grieving this morning. And I know there's a few situations going on in this room that are hard. So I just want to recognize that this morning and say, you know what? Yes, there is joy and there is hope and there is, you know, something beyond us that we hold on to for these things. But man, I feel it. And we feel it. Yes? So why don't we just pray this morning, start this morning off with a prayer, and whatever's going on in your heart this morning, or in your um, families, or in whatever it is, let's just lift that all up to the Lord this morning. Lord Jesus, God, I thank you so much just uh, for the life that you have given us, for the moments that are filled with joy, and happiness, and excitement, and wonder, Lord God, thank you that we are able to celebrate life and we are able to celebrate uh, milestones and we're able to celebrate things and people we love, Lord. Thank you for all of that, Lord. And Lord, I pray that as there's hearts in here that are grieving today, there's situations here that seem at a loss today. There's, there's hard, hard things, God, that maybe are we're at a loss for words or we're at a loss for quite putting our finger on what it is, Lord, but we feel it in our soul, God. God, would you just um, be with us as we are on this roller coaster of what the day brings, God. We're on this roller coaster of feeling great and feeling wonderful, and then we just hit a low. Lord, I pray that as we go through our day, as we go through our time, God, that we would just call on your name, Jesus, 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 and God, that we would meet you there. Lord, thank you that we can call on your name, and you are there. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, let there be light. All of a sudden, it's on. Very good. I opened my eyes. Now I can't see all you guys. Well, good morning. Uh, thank you for joining me in that. And yes, the party continues. So if you want taquitos, come to my house afterwards, because that's what we're having for lunch. Uh, yes. So um, I have to tell you guys something, something that I always fail to tell you. So in front of you, if you are visiting us today or if you have a prayer request or you want to connect with us somehow, what's right in front of you? You fill in the blank. Ready? Go. Connect card or a or also a uh, give it. Okay. So all of those things, all of those things uh, go in the box that is right outside these doors. And this week, Justin made me a big sign that said connect cards, prayer cards, give cards right here. And there's an arrow. <laughs> so when you exit these doors, hey, listen, if you want to give us some of your information, you want to connect with us, that's where that goes. If you want to give us a prayer request, that's where that goes. And hey, if you want to give, and we hope that you would give because if you believe in what we are doing and if you believe in the mission we're on together, those things do take time. Those things do take money. And so if you partner with us in that, grab a giving envelope. And now where does it go? Yeah, that was really slow. Come on, guys. Where does it go? In the box or your phone or yes, exactly. Um, and there is usually another box either at the welcome table or look for a box, okay? A wooden box. That's where those things go. Um, and again, thank you so much for um, filling those Connect cards out. I had someone come up to me last week and say, Melody, I have been at this church for many, many years, and this is the first time that I am filling out a prayer request card. And I was so blessed by that because I was like, thank you so much because you are basically opening up your your life to us, and we're able to pray for you in this way. So please, again, we just, we love to pray for you guys. We love to partner with uh, each other, and likewise us, right? Some of you have received the texts, right? Oh, Melody's roof is caving down. Pray for her, please. Didn't exactly cave down, but there was lots of water. Um, so anyway, we love to connect. So um, please fill those out, and now you know where they go. Another way to connect. Now, we, this Wednesday, this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. And uh, if you want a little bit more information on what Ash Wednesday means and perhaps what it does not mean as far as we uh, consider that as a church, what Wednesday, Ash Wednesday means and what it does not mean, um, please look online. There's a whole long uh, explanation. Of it. It's not too long. I don't want to scare people off. It's just right. It's what? Oh, there's some on the welcome desk this morning as well. Um, this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and that marks the beginning of the 40 days of Lent. And a lot of people have different views on that and beliefs on that. And so we believe that it is a time to invite God into something into something in your life. And what we do here at church is on Wednesday, we open up these doors from 4 to 8 p.m. So if you work late or you work whatever, hopefully that's enough time for you. If that doesn't work, please let myself or Grant know, and we'll, we'll try to arrange something that day. But we're also going to San Dimas Retirement Center. We're having a little Lent service with the residents there. Um, but we will open up... Yeah, Farid. Farid will be there. Um, 
There's a time where we open up these doors and we have a paper that you just read about, you reflect on. We chat just briefly with you, we pray with you, and we impose ashes. And so that is on Wednesday. So please mark that day if um, that is something that you'd like to do. Again, more information online and on the welcome desk. And that begins the um, journey towards Easter. And so something that is going to begin the very following week, for five weeks only, okay? So think of this as uh, a series that you want to watch. There's no TiVo. There's no Netflix. You can't catch it later, okay? Uh, a five-week series of small groups right here at New Song, okay? Small groups, Lent small groups. It's going to start uh, the first week of March, which I believe is the... First, I believe it's the first, um, and we'll start right here with small groups, and what we'll do is we'll just discuss what has been discussed in the um, sermons, we have some discussion questions, and it is a great time to just dive into also getting to know each other a little bit more. We did that in the summertime where it was summer in, uh, summer small groups, and this is just a five-week, five Wednesdays, five Wednesdays on my hand, okay? So who can do that? Yeah? A lot of us? Yes? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I had to email out to some parents this week, and I said, you guys, let's do better. If we have an RSVP, let's RSVP. Let's register for things, right? And guess what? They responded. So good job, parents who responded to me. Um, but today, we will have registrations for this. So don't hesitate. Don't go home and think of all the reasons why you can't come. Okay, just sign up for the small group right when you leave here, and we will sign you up today. At the end of the day, you'll get an email saying, hey, good job. Okay, but don't go home and think of all the reasons why you can't. Just do it. Like Nike. I bought my first pair of Nikes yesterday since eighth grade. That's what I bought for my birthday. Yeah. They were a whopping $35 at the Nike outlet. Uh, but I'm very, I, was, I was very tempted to wear them today because I'm super cool now. My daughter came with me and she was like, not cool, not cool, not cool. Those are fine. So maybe you'll see my Nikes at small group. I don't know. Um, okay, so Ash Wednesday. And I'm going to be up here forever. Um, we, we also, next um, Sunday, also kicks off our Lent sermon series. Do you want to know it? Everybody say it with me. Spoiler alert, because we know the story, right? We know the story, yes? But do we know the story? You'll have to come to find out. You'll just have to come to find out. And that begins next Sunday. So lots of things for you guys to um, put on your calendar. Ash Wednesday, this Wednesday, small group sign-up, um, sermon series. We're super excited about that. So um, last but not least, I want to tell you about the cross project we have going on. Uh, Grant said, hey, listen, if you are creative or not creative <laughs> in any way, we want to see what kind of cross you can make. Someone made a cross out of um, cables, like uh, electric cables, an electrician. Um, someone made it out of the paracord stuff. Someone made it. So what can you do? Can you put two sticks together? I can do that. 
Um, whatever it is, however it is, maybe you work with something daily. Maybe, you know, I don't know what it is. Think of, think of something that you always have your hands on, perhaps, and see what you can come up with. So this is a great, just creative kind of challenge for you guys, and we're going to display them during Holy Week. And you can drop those off anytime the office is open during the week, Monday through Thursday, office hours. So... Um, I'm going to pray for our gathering this morning, and I'm also going to pray for our youth, our students this morning. We have, how many was it? Was it 23, 22? Okay, I feel like I would need to say 27 now, but maybe I'm wrong. From 22 to maybe 27 youth, we have going ice skating this afternoon. Super cool, right? So, um, uh, we are going to wish them well as they go ice skating, and uh, good luck to the adults that are going. I'm not going because I already have a tailbone injury. I don't want another one. So my husband's going for that one. Um, anyway, so let's just pray for our youth and for just maybe friends that they have invited um, just to have a great time, and we'll pray for our gathering today. Would you join me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Um, that our students are going to go have some fun today on the ice. Lord, would you protect them? Would you have just your hand on them as they drive to Ontario, as they um, are on the ice? Uh, the parents and um, the chaperones that are going, our leaders, God. God, would you just uh, be with that group of people this afternoon, God? God, thank you that we have, we have things going on on our calendar, God, that we can we can participate in. God, would you just give us that final push to want to come to different things, God, whether that's um, Ash Wednesday, whether that's the small groups, God, would you just, would you just give us that courage to, um, to sign up, Lord, for things? Because, because, Lord, it's for you that we do this, not for the person sitting next to us, not for the, not for the pastors, not for anything like that, but, Lord, we do it for you, so, God, would you speak to us this morning and give us that courage? Lord, I pray for Grant as he brings us the message today, God. Would you be with him and his words, and would we hear you in, um, in the ways that only you can speak, God? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mel. I was talking about getting new shoes this morning too. New Dr. Martens. These are getting a bit shabby. So we're going to dig right into Hebrews today. We're going to start with the text. Um, and it's in chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you want to follow along, it will also be on the screen. Uh, we're, we're doing a series in the book of Hebrews called Pressing On. Um, at the beginning, we talked about how this was written to, we don't really know who it was written to, from whom it was written, exactly when it was written. There's a lot of unknowns, but judging by what is written, it sounds like the audience, the recipients of this, were struggling a bit with, to, to persevere in the face of all kinds of discouragement, perhaps even some forms of persecution, um, just being odd, you know? Christian, Christianity makes us kind of odd in our culture, no matter what culture it is. There's going to be things that you're just very different from your culture. Um, so this is a word of encouragement from the writer to his friends, and also a word of encouragement to us. So chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, is where we are. So there's a word that occurs in this translation, uh, and it's the word rest. 
So I'm going to ask you guys, this is a, like a pay attention uh, trick or something, to say the word rest when it occurs in the passage with me. Okay, can we try that? Rest. Rest. Okay, here we go. So um, Hebrews 4, 1 to 11. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest, let's do that again. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. And they is the people of Israel in the Old Testament. We just heard about Moses a couple of weeks ago. Um, Just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Wow, that's quite complicated, isn't it? It's been quite a week working on this passage. Um, But clearly, the word rest is important. So at least... Coming into this, you go, well, I think it's about rest, something to do with rest, I believe, because there's like, actually in the Greek uh, version, there's seven times the word rest occurs. There's more in the English translation to make it more meaningful, I guess, but seven times, and it doesn't appear anywhere else in the book of Hebrews. This section is just filled with this concept. So I think the writer apparently wants to make a point here. So the first thing I would just ask, do we feel in need of rest this morning? Does that word... Does that word, yes, yeah, give it a rest, I'm kidding, love you Tara, I know, I know, so yeah, I, I do, I feel in need of a rest, I was up with the, the crack of dawn this morning and um, I feel some rest, you know, and, and you can pray, you know, maybe in the morning you have a prayer that you pray, as you, you know, and um, I just want to share this prayer, you may have heard this prayer, it's quite a famous prayer. Uh, it says this, dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from, and from then on, I am going to need a lot more help. Amen. And it is funny because it's true. It's true because I think because it speaks very clearly about the inevitability of human nature. Um, but I also find it rather depressing. I used to kind of think that was kind of a good prayer, but I don't know, the way I understand God and faith and my walk with Jesus, this kind of makes me feel a bit depressed because it seems to suggest that our lives when we're not asleep will mostly consist of making mistakes and then feeling guilty about it. 
and having to try harder to do and be better, it actually sounds quite exhausting to live in that kind of way. It doesn't sound very rested or restful. Perhaps it would just be safer if we just stayed in bed, stayed asleep for as long as possible. Getting up is a treacherous thing. As Bilbo Baggins said to Frodo, it's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door. You step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. It doesn't sound very restful. And it doesn't really seem like this is the kind of life that we would call good news for all people. I had a relative, actually, who told me that they kind of walked away in their teens and 20s from Christianity because they got so tired of feeling guilty and of like a failure all the time because they felt that they were... You know, no matter what they tried to do, they just felt that they were falling short and it became so burdensome. Surely they were missing something important about what it means to follow Jesus, though. Because didn't Jesus say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." So both there and from this writer, it seems there should be some kind of expectation of whatever this rest is for those who come to Jesus. What might that look like, feel like, live like? Well, we can look up a definition online and rest in a typical definition in English languages to cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself or recover strength. I don't know if that's what this is talking about. But Jesus also said this, he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So there's perhaps something about this idea of rest in this passage and throughout the New Testament that is elusive perhaps because it is not like what we typically understand as being rest according to this world And in our text in Hebrews, there perhaps is a little clue in this little verse that came toward the end. The very last verse that I read says, make every effort to enter that rest. That's a weird combination. Make every effort. In fact, some other translations say strive. Almost a sense of wrestle, struggle to enter that rest. But there is confidence here that this is possible because also in our passage it said there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And the question arises, is this just a future hope? A Sabbath rest is just the day when we, when we cease from our laborious earthly living and step into glory? Is that what it's about? Well, I don't think so. It seems to be that the author is, is holding out the possibility, the potential of present, some idea of present rest for his friends. So how does he do this? It's quite a complex little argument, but as is this writer's preference, and much to the sort of like disappointment, some of all, you know, disappointment, but there's a lot of Old Testament stories and stuff, which you kind of got to explain. He loves giving history lessons to his friends. Uh, and really, the main thing about him using the Old Testament is to show that there's continuity with God's people throughout the, insti- the entire story, uh, and also the continuity through all of these different people in different times, places, cultures of God's great plan to redeem his creation. So in this one, there's kind of four time places, four moments in the history of God's people that he touches on to try and give some idea of what this rest might look like. And the first one is Joshua. He mentions Joshua, which interestingly enough is pretty much the same name as Jesus. Uh, Joshua means save, to save. 
So God's people were in the wilderness, and he talks about Joshua in, in verses eight and nine. If Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. If Joshua had given them rest, meaning whatever form of rest he's talking about, God would not have spoken later about another day. Who was Joshua? Well, we talked about Moses. It was Moses and Aaron who were the people that God used to liberate Israel, the people who were in slavery in Egypt, took out into the wilderness through the incredible miracle of the Red Sea being parted and the miracle provision of food and water from the rock, as Melody shared last week. Well, they kind of get to the edges of what this land that they've been told will, will be their place to be, somehow, somewhat to rest. And they send out 12 spies to go and see the lie of the land and see what's going on there. And, and all 12 come back, and 10 of them give a story of fear and worry and stress. And like, these people are tall, they're big, they're warriors, we cannot do this. But there's two, we hear it in the book of Numbers, that have a different story. And here's what it is. So Joshua, this is the one we're talking about, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Wonderful, good news. Despite the Debbie Downers of the 10, these guys are, are telling it like it is with confidence because somehow they seem to have this confidence in the God who's led them out of Egypt through the wilderness and toward the edge of this land. So wonderful, good news. It mentions that they had good news given to them. This is a form of it. So the very next words, however, are this. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. That's what the reaction was from the crowd. You idiots. And so the writer from Hebrews shares and says, we also had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. They didn't share the faith of those who obeyed. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Whatever this rest, this form of rest, somehow it was their inability to latch onto, to understand, to embrace the faith of those who had a trust in this God who had called them to this place. So the good news required a faith response. So this is what happens. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? No, not one of you will enter the land I swore to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. And all the rest of them passed out the remainder of their days in the wilderness and did not enter that land. So good news, but it did not receive from the people a faith response that would have enabled them to move forward. Mel last week uh, talked about the other time when they were in the desert and they had been miraculously given food and the, the water from the rock and all that and they were complaining and grumbling and saying, you Moses brought us out here to die. We'd be better off back in Egypt under slavery. What was the rest that they were looking for? It was earthly rest. They wanted freedom from discomfort. They wanted to be peace, comfort, at ease. And this is not the rest that God was offering them. So there's something here. Because apparently Joshua did not manage to bring them to the rest that the writer is talking about. 
They were, they were misunderstanding what it was. So then we move through. So this continuity of God's work through his people, we get to another era, and it's from a quote from a psalm, which we did the psalms last summer. It's summer in the psalms. Um, and David is said to have written many of these psalms. So he actually quotes from Psalm 95. Here's what it says in Hebrews verse, uh, 4, verse 7. God again set a certain day. So this failure to enter into the rest, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This message came out again through David, through the songwriter who wrote a popular hit song of the day called Today If You Hear His Voice, Do Not Harden Your Heart. It was number one in the, in the Israelite uh, hit parade. That's such an old-fashioned word. I just dated myself. The hit parade, ladies and gentlemen. And, and it's a quote from Psalm 95. It's a direct quote. Here's what Psalm 95 says. So it's almost like, just leave it. It's old news. But no, God, through David, are met again in this different era, reminds the people of this event, what happened. It's almost a warning to say, you be different. He says, today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah. And that word in Hebrew means quarreling. As you did that day at Massah, which means testing in the wilderness, when your ancestors, where your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So way later, the same message goes out again. My rest, my rest, God's rest. They're missing it. They don't know my ways. Their hearts are hard. How does that psalm begin? It begins with a very different tone, a very different expression of joy. Here's how Psalm 95 begins, that it ends darkly, but it begins like this. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed a dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you would only hear his voice, do not harden your hearts like you did. No uh, shortage of encouragement and wisdom and exhortation towards entering into this rest. And it seems to be fully centered on the person of God. So what happened to this people group? Well, I'm going to share a little thing that isn't in here. We can kind of catch in with this again later on. When Jesus came to be among the people, and in Luke, the gospel writer tells us this. So you think they would have got the message, here's what happened in the first century, early part of the first century. As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, rest, but now it is hidden from your eyes because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. It's an inability, it seems. And individually, there were many people in Israel, there were many people in Israel of the past, many people in David's time, many people in Jesus' time, who did see, but somehow there's a sense that God cares about the collective 
You know, it's almost that it's always about the collective. Even to this point today, we talk a lot about that we are a body, we are a family, we are one, and we care about each individual member. And we are as strong or as weak as the weaker or stronger members of our congregation, and we care about that. And that seems to be how Scripture talks about God's people. They are a collective. They're a family. So if this rest isn't what we typically imagine rest is, which is just an absence of conflict, an absence of, absence of trouble, something like a vacation to Hawaii, which some people here just did this, this week, right? Was that rest? Yeah. You know, that feeling, or, or retirement. If it's not that, then what is it? What is this rest? Well, here's the next historical place where the writer takes us. And he takes us right back to creation, to the very founding of all that there is by God. In Hebrews chapter four, verse four, it says this, for somewhere, I love how he does that, it's kind of for somewhere, he, God, has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. This is the story of creation, that he created all that there is, and then there's this mysterious, wonderful, beautiful metaphor that says God entered into rest. After he made human beings and said, it is very, very good, he entered into rest. So this tells us that this rest is fundamentally based on who God is what God is like. This is rest. And it tells us because actually the the creation days one through six say, and there was day and there was night, the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. The seventh day doesn't say that. It just simply says, and God rested from all of his labor. So it seems to imply that this is the state of God. God is a God who is at rest, who is at peace. And somehow this should tell us about what we might experience in this rest that we are offered. So the question is, is God inactive? Is God retired? Is God sleeping? Is God in Hawaii? Yes, he is. You know, is God inactive? Well, you know, the amazing thing, and then the next passage we're gonna do next week, but it actually goes, actually we're not, not doing it next week because we've got five weeks of Lent. Spoiler alert. Um, But after that, we're going to do the very next verses, which you maybe are familiar with, but it talks about the Word of God. But it kind of should be with this in some ways, because it tells us that God is very much not inactive. The very first words that are after this passage are these, for the Word of God is alive and active. He is always speaking. He is always stepping in. There's always presence and activity in this creation. He is not shut out and he is not asleep. So if he is a God who rests, yet who seems in some way to be vibrantly, energetically active in this world, what does that mean for us? Well, Hebrews 4.10 says this, in this passage, anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his but yet again, make every effort to enter that rest. So there's a sense that we can have some sense of rest in light of who God is, but yet it continues to involve 
activity of a certain kind. So here's the next one. So bringing it right back to now, there's a a fourth time place, which is this amazing word, which Melody introduced last week because it talks about it there too. Today, today. This is a beautiful thing because we can think that all of these things happened in the past. All the things that God did The main ones, you know, the significant ones, the ones where things really actually happened and changed, happened in the past. But this word today is ever-present. Hebrews 4, 7, God again set a certain day, calling it today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And then, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Care, take care, and let us again make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So there is, a, there is a rest that apparently is available to us that is built on, centered on the person of God, a God who continues to speak and to act in our world. But it is not the absence of effort. It is not simply sleeping or retiring. This is a hopeful thing. This is actually, I was thinking about this today and I realized what makes me most stressed? Is it serving God? Is it time with God, with his people, or is it worship? Or is it all the things that I think I have to do constantly, striving with my own need to control? And and I realized that my, most of my lack of peace and rest come from within me. And I am being offered something quantifiably different. Let's go back to that psalm again. Imagine we took the Bible seriously and we said, okay, God intentionally inspired David to write this wonderful psalm that includes the same words that he has repeatedly said over and over and over again. And apparently today he says the same thing. What might we learn from that psalm about what it might mean to actually live into that rest? Here's what it says. I've highlighted the bits that we should pay attention to. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. That's activity. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. And then come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. You know the other passage that says, what does God require of you human beings but to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God? That was a revelation to me when I first started working in church because I thought Christianity was always about being busy, 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 better, more, all the time, and a consistent low-grade temperature of feeling like I'm a failure. And this is not the rest that we are being offered. We're being offered the rest of God, which starts with worship and presence. And I think that's often what we're missing because we prioritize so many of the things that weary us And we neglect the things that will bring us peace and rest. And I realized thinking about my own behavior, the times when I feel most refreshed are the times when I'm serving other people. When we go to the retirement center on Wednesdays, I feel a joy 
Because we are at their disposal. We bring everything that we have and we share it. Our time, our songs, communion, prayer, presence. How are you doing? And it's the things that I am doing elsewhere that give me the weariness in my bones. It's a really encouraging thing I read about this in in a commentary this week by a man called Thomas Long. Just like listen to this, okay? As he sums it up better than I could. He says this, but rest is not just a concept applying to the beginning and the end. It is also a quality of Christian life in the middle of time. That's now. A calm assurance of participating in the will of God. Even now, as Christians struggle to be faithful in the midst of ambiguity and turmoil, the promise is that all of this counts, that their faithful actions are being gathered into God's everlasting purposes in ways that are mysterious and beyond our full knowing. God uses the prayers and deeds of ordinary people of faith to redeem the whole creation. Here in the middle of history, to rest is not to stop working. That will come later. But actually, then I believe there will also be work, but it will not be drudgery. (laughs) But to have a calm joy that one's labors are, by the grace of God, part of fulfilling this promise. God's rest, then, is a gift of peace, a gift Jesus gave his disciples, not on a cloudless day, but in the dark night of betrayal before he went to the cross. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. I'm going to invite the band up. And I was thinking about the struggle of life. Like, okay, this is true. Okay, Grant, great, wonderful. But tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to face the same stuff in the day. What is my strength for this when I'm alone, when when I'm trying to figure out how to navigate Monday? And Tuesday and Wednesday, should I just, you know, more study time, more quiet time, all that kind of stuff? And I was thinking about the most important thing to realize is that Jesus offers us himself, offers us his real, true self with us every day, beside us, his peace, his presence every day. And it reminded me of another time with my dad um, when we used to go hiking in Scotland and this is the beautiful mountains of Scotland. And some I didn't really want to go, um, but, you know, we'd be up there. And it's, they're pretty small compared to American mountains, but they're pretty high for, like, a little eight-year-old, you know, little brat like me. And, and I always get tired, you know. And there's this thing. You may have heard this concept if you're a hiker. It's called false summits. False summits. And it's that wonderful moment when you're walking up and you see the horizon, you're like, that's the summit. And then as your perspective changes, this other mountain looms up behind it. You're like, oh no, that's not the summit. That's like not, you know, and my dad would totally understand this. And I'd be like, look, there's the top, dad. And he's like, okay, son, you know, because you don't want to disappoint me, right? And I'd go in and he'd be like, it's okay, we're going to get there. And he's such a steady presence with me. He trusted that he knew where we were going. And he was with me every step along the way. And when I did need a rest, and some of the mountain streams in Scotland are just so pure, you don't even need to you know, disinfect it, you know, just drink it. And he, he would like, would stop and drink water. It was a special time. But it was not easy. It was a struggle. 
But when we got to the top and I picked up the biggest rock I could find and sat on top of the cairn, there was a real sense of achievement that we got there. But I only got there because my dad was alongside me all the way. You know, I used to think some of they should install escalators on mountains. But unfortunately, anyone would be able to get there at that point, and it would be covered in garbage. And I was thinking about this. You know, accessibility leads to apathy and entitlement, right? There's something about this journey that requires us to step in intentionally with our will and say, I will follow you, Jesus. And with that comes his assistance, his presence, his peace. Trust equals obedience. Talks about obedience a lot in this passage. Talks about valuing this thing that we've been given. Talks about having faith in it and belief, which leads to obedience. Here's a wonderful thing about the fact that this is not about individuals, it's about a collective. We are each other's hiking partners. We are, can be, each other's hiking partners. This is what this body is all about. When you think you've reached the summit or you're feeling weary, there are people here who will say, do you want to just sit down for a minute, take a rest, you're going to get there. That's okay. You can do it. We can carry one another's burdens. I was thinking about, you know, Sherpas, they're a special group of people in Nepal who, who, who really exist to assist climbers to climb Mount Everest and other mountains in that range, and they carry all the luggage for them. In fact, they go up ahead and lay ropes out to make it easier. And I was thinking about this. We're all Sherpas. None of us are the privileged one that get to climb up thing. We're all each other's Sherpas. We help carry the load. And Jesus is the chief Sherpa. Peter, who had some hard times, Jesus' his disciples said this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The second little analogy I thought was interesting for this is uh, the concept of um, AA, right? Alcoholics Anonymous. I have lots of, you know, not lots of friends, but a few friends, you know, who know be involved in there and, and uh, some good Christian friends who were very uh, active and, and who said, what's so wonderful about it is that um, there's just transparency, you know? Like, a lot of people hit the bottom and just kind of like, here's me! And you know, they say, a meeting, you say, you know, hey, my name's Grant, you know, and whatever my issue is, and I share it. And I've said this before, but you know, I always think at church we should say, hello, my name is Grant, and I'm a human being, right? So you say, hello, my name is Grant. Hi, Grant. And I'm a human being. You can say it too. And I was thinking about this prayer that I talked about at the beginning and how it can be very just, just like depressing. And I remember that there is a prayer, which actually just this week, Rona and I, just through some challenges we were facing, we remembered the prayer, the serenity prayer. You guys know this? And so I thought, wow, that's a really wonderful way to talk about how I might actually be practically thinking, rather than the prayer about, him hey, getting up in a minute, so I'm really going to need your help because I suck, right? Is this one. It's, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So I looked it up, and I saw this thing on Google. It said, what is the full text of the serenity prayer? And I didn't know there was more to it. It has been summarized. And I think this is a wonderful place to, to think about this might be something you even might want to use when you realize that there is a rest for us, there is a peace for us in the midst of all the activity and it is the person of Jesus himself and it is today. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying 
one moment at a time. Taking this world as it is and not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. The band's going to lead us in a song right now, and it's just a, it's a song about rest. And you guys probably don't know it. So breathe. The door is open. There's a door that no one can shut, an invitation that no one can rescind from Christ to enter into his peace in the midst of all of the reality of this world. And it is present and available today. Let's listen to this song together and then we will have communion after this. So just stay where you are.